call something a disinfectant, you need to define what you mean by disinfectant. And the law is quite clear in the US as to what a disinfectant is. To be a disinfectant, you have to pass certain tests, performance tests, showing that you kill the uh, 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 required microorganisms in sufficient volume to say, yes, it will kill these bugs as a disinfectant. Welcome to another episode of Talking Clean in a Dirty World. You can't see the logo, but it's right here somewhere. Anyway, folks, uh, every month we get together and we talk about, well, the topics that are kind of up in the news. Last month, we talked about bio-based disinfectants and all of the, well, the kind of misinformation and the information we were getting. Well, the panel decided that, hey, there was an expert that we needed, and hey, I happened to have somebody in my back pocket that I knew I could reach out to. His name is Dr. Greg Whiteley. Dr. Greg, say hello to our audience this morning. Very good day to everyone over there, and uh, keep your heads down in the weather. Well, I did say this morning. Now, for us here in the States, it's afternoon. Uh, let's see, it's probably the next day morning for you, Dr. Greg. We're with the, it's already gone past us, the weather. It's already yeah. gone past. Yeah. So, you know, the whole topic, Dr. Greg, was about bio-based disinfectants. And there was EPA, FDA, USDA. What is the, what's the whole deal with this bio-based disinfectants? I mean, this is what you do for a living. So talk to us. Well, Good afternoon, everyone, panelists, uh, and uh, to all the listeners. Um, look, just a quick bit of background on me. Uh, we've been patenting and developing disinfectants and sterilants globally for about the last 40 years. We've got a number of FDA 510Ks already in place for sterilants. Uh, we manufacture, we uh, collaborate to make sure that we're doing things. We've worked with uh, mainly essential oils in the bio-based disinfectant space for more than 40 years. And uh, so we have quite a good deal of familiarity with it. And um, But what I want to start by saying is that to call something a disinfectant, you need to define what you mean by disinfectant. And the law is quite clear in the US as to what a disinfectant is. To be a disinfectant, you have to pass certain tests, performance tests, showing that you kill the uh, 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 required microorganisms in sufficient volume to say, yes, it will kill these bugs as a disinfectant. And if you don't pass the required tests, um, you're not really a disinfectant. You're, um, you might claim the title, but that's where it gets really murky because people like the EPA are very vigorous in defending their turf. Uh, they've got legislation under the FIFRA Act um, where they set out all the requirements for what tests they will accept that define what is a disinfectant or a sanitizer. And those tests are very clear. They must be done independently. They must be done in multiple batches. And that's what makes a disinfectant. But then you've got the FDA, and they're a whole different game altogether. Uh, they're uh, really about uh, foods and drugs, and particularly uh, medicines and medical devices. But they also regulate what are known as complementary medicines. And many of the bio disinfectants 
operate in this grey area of, uh, of uh, these products where they really sort of try and fall under the FDA banner so that they avoid the EPA. But for many of them, they're not even in the FDA camp, really. They're just uh, in this grey zone. And usually they haven't done any testing, or if they have, they haven't done the requisite testing for an EPA disinfectant or sanitizer. Now, the FDA then further regulates into medicines and medical devices. So medicines are basically substances that work to cure a disease or an ailment on the body or in the body. So they're, they're substances that you're going to put on your skin. And in fact, they've been around under FDA approval for ne nearly 100 years. I mean, some of the first of them were Australian oils, eucalyptus oil and Australian-based tea tree oil, which you still buy as over-the-counter medicines. Those are, are products that um, um, pre-exist before the grandfathering legislation for modern disinfectant molecules with the EPA. And they're still on the FDA register. And there's a range of other essential oils that are largely plant-based, but there's some other ones around. There was a lot of hullabaloo at one stage about uh, chittasan, which comes out of crabs, crab shells. It's not very sustainable. It's not a great video to watch to see how they harvest it. But, uh, yeah, right. Get a whole bunch of those together. So what you're talking uh, about, these are things that we use either in or on our body. That's right. But then not you surfaces. get not surfaces. And so largely they're, they're antiseptics, if you will. So they've got a mild antibacterial effect. They may pass antiseptic tests or some of the antiseptic style disinfecting tests are out there and there are a number of ISO ASTM standards out there um, for those sort of products to show that they're antimicrobial and uh, we won't get into too much complexity but there's a few tests around that you can do and, um, and, and they're very important but then there's another group the FDA also regulate which are sterilants or high level disinfectants which are used on reusable medical devices. So that's like things like endoscopes. Right. But there's an array of other medical devices uh, in dentistry and medicine where you want to clean them, reprocess them, and then you want to make sure to a common language they're sterilised. Now, in fact, the technical language is they're usually high-level disinfected. So they will kill spores, but not really huge numbers with great certainty in the time on the label. But they're high-level disinfectants, and those products are extremely aggressive. Um, they became popular for use on surfaces during the, uh, I'm very old, the H, like you, Dave, like during the HIV pandemic, all sorts of people went crazy and used them on surfaces. Fortunately, that didn't happen with COVID and the EPA acted very early on. Uh, in fact, they were already doing things in March 2020 to make sure that didn't get repeated so that people stayed with true disinfectants that were already registered with the EPA. Uh, they got ahead of the wave. Uh, that didn't happen with HIV, unfortunately, but there you go. So what, so what I'm hearing you saying is, is that, and get, correct me if I'm wrong here, if it's FDA regulated, it's not always going to be an EPA registered disinfectant. Well, then that's where the boundary gets very... <laughs> And as I say, the, the EPA in particular are very vicious on uh, pursuing anyone who strays across the boundary into service right. disinfecting. So uh, if, for example, you had an e uh, FDA-registered sterilant, 
a parasitic acid, let's say, and you wanted to claim that, yes, it's an instrument disinfectant, but it's also good for surfaces, then you'd need to have dual registration. And in fact, the, the, the government agencies would generally say, no, sorry, you've got to have a separate product. It's the same product, we accept that. Um, yes, it passes the test, but it's separately registered. Then to make matters worse, and this is where it gets really complex for poor cleaners out there, is if you've got an FDA registration, that's all you need. But if you've got an EPA registration for a disinfectant or sanitizer, then you've got to register it with the FDA, uh, sorry, the EPA, I should say, and then you've got to register it in every state in which you sell it throughout continental US and in Hawaii. So, yeah. so, so you're there are tiers of regulatory framework on top of it. So, so Dr. what does the uh, USDA do? Does the USDA also have a version? Oh, well, you know, for, for cleaners who are operating in, you know, the food space, yes, we've, we've swapped over again. We're now in a totally different arrangement and they've got a whole different set of criteria. The first set of criteria, of course, is it has to kill the bugs. So a disinfectant that's USDA approved has to kill the bugs. But it also has some very significant toxicity issues that it has to pass through and surface rinsing characteristics. Because let's say if you go back long enough, uh, one of the uh, popular over-the-counter uh, antiseptics was a mercuric salt a mercury salt, bright red, stain everything. And um, it was a fantastic disinfectant, fantastic antiseptic, not toxic to humans, unless you drank it, in which case you died fairly quickly and horribly. But, you know, if you painted it on your skin, pretty good. But, of course, you can't go spraying that around in an abattoir because apart from everything uh, going red, the meat gets tainted. And there's an array of disinfectants that would be suitable for uses in, say, schools or other places which you would not use in a food-based context because it will stay on the surface and it potentially will then take the, take the food, whether it's meat or other uh, foods. So they've got a whole different criteria, but they've got this toxicity issue that they also have to take care of and rinseability. So, and of course, they also have to deal with on, on farms. So you've got a whole pile of on-farm disinfectants. So things for like uh, uh, milk, pro milk processing, yogurt processing, any of them, milk derivatives or milk substitutes, the nut, nut oils, all of those food issues are again quite distinct again. And, and I, I can't think of a single bio oil that would be usable in that space because one of the things that's not said about these bio oils is that in their concentrated form, they are two or one highly toxic and usually they're they're one of the most toxic things that you can have in your medicine cabinet. So, and that's in their 100%, you know, uh, original form. And that's why things like tea tree oil and eucalyptus oil and some of those other oils are packed in glass. I mean, they'll just go straight through plastic. You, if you put tea tree oil in a, 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 a standard high-density polyethylene bottle at anything more than about one and a half, maybe 2%, the bottle will eventually dissolve. I mean, you have, you know, a gallon jug at one end and, you know, a couple of weeks later, you've got a gallon of liquid spread all over the place. So on some of these bio-based disinf... Well, bio-based cleaners that they claim a disinfection 
like when we've get people have presented this to us and they're saying it's bio-based and the way it's the way it's working it's starving the germ or the whatever it's trying to kill and that's and then it's supposed to be safer um for the user right and and for the surface at the end of the day but is that that's never going to be an epa registered product i'm going to go oh, oh well well it could be i mean they could go out and they could do the tests like they're meant to do and Right. That's the, I think that's the issue that we see. <laughs> that's the issue I see on the sales side of it is that they always come in, they're presenting. Sounds like a great idea, but it's US, it's either USDA approved because they're using it in processing of chickens or whatever it might be, but it's not, but it would, it should kill or does kill the stuff, but they haven't done the tests to make that happen. And that's what we were running into in the last show because like we're, that's the uh, that's really the issue. If it's not EPA registered, how 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 does that present into the world of a cleaner? And it really doesn't unless you're specific to USDA stuff or FDA. You know, if you're doing specific cleaning in that avenue, well, sounds like from what that sounds like that from what you said. I think I think you've summarised it perfectly, Bobby. And I mean, the easy test is uh, you ask them for their EPA registration or, or ring the EPA. You know, the EPA have got a hotline you can ring any time the night or day to you know, ask a question. And uh, um, look, there's a, there's a lot of difficulty in getting oil out of snakes. Uh, first of all, you have to catch them and then you have to try and milk them. And then you have to get enough in it to fill up a couple of jars. So you usually substitute in a, a different oil like olive oil or some of these other plant oils. And then you go around and make all sorts of claims. So it'll cure, cure cancer and it'll heal your arthritis. And if you rub it on your heel, your heel will feel better. People can make all sorts of claims. One of the things in our area, and, and as I say, we deal with the FDA, we deal with the EPA. And in Australia, we deal with the Therapeutic Goods Administration and other regulators globally. It's all about evidence. And what you're really asking for is evidence. Okay, so you've got a great bunch of claims. Where is your independent evidence? And and for the US FDA and the EPA, uh, evidence constitutes a very specific kind of evidence. That is, you've gone off to an independent test lab and tested it against the known tests independently. Now, with the EPA, it's a little bit different, but with the FDA, they go another level where they have, they actually want you as part of your tests to prove as part of the testing that what you've got in the solution you're testing is exactly what you're claiming is in the product. So you get that. So what can happen and would happen in the past is people go, oh, I'll just add an extra 20% of whatever I'm going to do or put in another, you know, 6% of this on top of my oil and do the testing and everyone's happy. You know, there's my test. Well, that's so. I take a person like Javier. I take a person like Javier here that runs a healthy green cleaning service, and he's trying to do the right thing, uh, environmentally and sustainable, and also for his people and all of those people involved. And I'm sure Javier, you're listening to this, going, "Well, bio sounds great, but, or am I wrong?" I mean, it does. It does. And, and uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's a wealth of knowledge here, um, Dr. Whiteley. I mean, it's, it's amazing. A lot of great, interesting stuff. Even I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not aware, obviously, but um, I think to a certain extent, Dave, you have a point. But I mean, overall, no, I, I mean, we 
it just depends on on you know how it's you know produce you know or presented or whatnot or or what done. Yeah, and, and look, it's it's all about cleaning is one thing, and and uh, disinfecting is another. They're two quite different issues. So one of the research issues that we're running, we're about to restart a program that was subject to COVID interruptus, um, which is my research technical term. You know, to say that. Trademark. Had to stop for a while. Yeah, um, yeah trademark. Yeah, um, where we're looking at at something as simple as cleaning. Now, you would think cleaning a surface, and you've got people that do it. All of you guys have got people that do it. You would think that's a pretty straightforward process. Do you know there are nine separate variables to measure in a simple act of cleaning a surface? Yeah. So, when you come to the science of what you're doing, um, you've got to control things so that you don't have. Uh, uncontrolled variables is the technical term, but it means that you've actually measured what you're intending to measure. And um, and we're running research projects looking at that where we've controlled all the variables and we're, we've published one piece of work which Dave's aware of. Um, one of the things we've worked on over many years is biofilms, true biofilms, bacterial biofilms. We've shown that uh, bacteria are really clever at working out how the cleaning systems don't work so well. So in hospitals, where we used to use this thing called universal precautions, which morphed into standard precautions, which morphed into standard precautions plus additional precautions, which morphed into uh, aerosol-based precautions and surface-based precautions and transmission-based precautions, it's cleaning, okay? Forget all that, it's just cleaning. Dirty, 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 dirty